0: Thank you for coming out on a Thursday night. What a blessing to be able to look out and, and uh, see this congregation, see you as a part of it. And of course, it is really special for me to have my wife come in today. And so if you get a chance to talk with her, you'll really like her. Uh, but if you get a chance to talk to her and tell her uh, how I've been really behaving... And everything that would be a plus for me, <laughs> okay. But uh, it sure is good to have Rachel here. I tell people it's been we we now have been madly in love for 52 years uh, plus, and uh, once once in a while, madly over over overwhelms. But anyway, but <laughs> but we we get through it and. The Lord helps us and here here we are. Oh my, when I look down, it's always good to be able to focus a little bit on her once in a while when I'm trying to preach to a crowd, but every once in a while when I see her down there, I know I need to go over here. (laughs) But uh, God has been so good to us, praise the Lord. I saw his brother and sister Stratton were singing that song this evening. I would that God could somehow divinely step in our midst and regardless of our sundry differences and positions of where we might be at this point in our life, in regards to God, I mean, my wish would be, Lord, uh, somehow get us to where unbelief and faith, whatever the struggle might be, whichever one's trumping right now, whichever one's triumphing right now, get us to a place where we dare reach out to God. Uh, if you know Him, sometimes the way can have its discouragements and disappointments. And it's like they express in the song, you've just got to. You've just got to say, Lord, help, help my unbelief. Just, just help me, because you know it's not purposeful. I don't intend that it be the way I live. I intend to, to, to believe God. And faith, faith is victorious. It's powerful when feeling has, has vanished. It really is. Faith is so important, isn't it? We must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And you can't always point your finger and say, yep, there, there he is. Sometimes you can sense and feel, and you just know God's all over the place. But other times, he's nowhere to be seen, except by faith. But thank God. And I, and I, I like to encourage the believer, You'd learn to trust him when it's a little bit difficult. Learn to trust him. And I would tell an unsaved person, a person that doesn't know the Lord tonight, if there's somebody like that here, revival's for you too. And 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 I would just remind you that God would like to lift you out of where you are and get you on believing grounds and get you on the inside looking out instead of the outside looking in. And... Uh, God's able to do that too. One day he did it for me. What a change it made in my life. No credit to myself at all, but I'm just saying I'm sometimes amazed. I step back, Leonard Robbins, and say it's amazing when I look back to where God found me and what he's done for me. Oh, it's not credit to me. It's just all glory to God that he can take nothing and do something with it. Do something with it, I mean, we might not be the brightest bulb in the in the in the place, but god God can do stuff with us, and He can make you a blessing and If you have that influence on one single person isn 't it wonderful that God got you where you ought to be, so that you could influence that person and be a part of the of God, they may they may be a bright shining star that evangelizes the world. Who knows? And you had you invested in that because you gave them a bologna sandwich or a chocolate chip cookie or a smile, a smile. Some of you, if you'd give them a smile, they'd be so shocked. <laughs> you know. But uh, God is so good to us. God is so good to us. Well, it's good to see you. Always so good for me to see Barry Arnold come in. i tell you, I like Barry Arnold, but he told me last night, he said, I heard that message. The thing about Barry Arnold, if he's heard you preach it, he never forgets it. He might want to, but he never does. And He'll say, oh, I heard that one before. And the worst thing is, I knew if he comes tonight, he's heard this one before, too. So I'd like to give Barry Arnold, I don't have any authority to do it, but if he needs to go to sleep, I give him permission to do it right now. Actually, the message that I fell on my heart for tonight uh, is one that I, I don't even like to preach. Hard one for me, because uh, it's from Scripture that I wish wasn't even in the Bible. Uh, I wish it didn't have to be in the Bible. But God doesn't avoid bad things, uh, he, he brings in sometimes incidences that uh, show failure. But uh, it's the 51st Psalm, the 51st Psalm, it's a tremendous psalm really, but I wish we didn't have to read it because it's the prayer of a backslider. It's a prayer of a man that knew God in a real way. And this prayer is all about a horrific, horrific, conscious, willful stepping out in sin by that guy, David. David, what a, well, not a coincidence, Brother Jeff, that you would start out tonight with Scripture The 63rd Psalm of David, when David said, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. That was the words of David that Brother uh, Jeff read to us tonight, but in the 51st Psalm, the little caption under my heading says it's the Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he, David, had gone into Bathsheba. It's a story of David. When he went in with another man's wife, while we're not going to go back major on the details, to cover it up, arranged for that woman's husband to be killed in battle. Awful, awful. Premeditated, willful sin, which just very quickly, and then we'll go on, but I want to remind us whoever we are, whoever we are, this side of eternity, there's always the possibility we could fail. You know, the first time Scripture, uh, to my recall, tells us of David, I think is a picture of the youngest of Jesse's boys tending the sheep, accepting the responsibility to take care of, of the flock. And I like it because... To me, it gives us indication of David and David's relationship with God that in specifics aren't mentioned, but, but you read it and you realize that there on the hillside, somehow David gained a confidence in God. I was reading the other day in Romans I believe it's chapter 1, where in Romans it tells us, which shows me God can do this. He, he's talking about awful things in Romans chapter 1, but he said in that, in verse 20, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead so that they, so that men are without excuse. Even men that don't go to church, even men that don't read the Bible, cannot at the judgment point an accusing finger at God and say, You were unfair to me. For the Bible tells us that even the unseen things, Of the world. Because he's divine creator. They speak to us. They tell us. I've said I was raised in a good home. Dad and mom weren't Christians. We didn't go to church. I was the first of my family to get saved. And I got saved when I was just a short while to graduating from high school. I was a senior in high school. But I had good parents, but growing up on the farm, I've told people around the country, never was I tempted to be an atheist. Growing up and, you know, seeing the up through the woods and the swamp and the pasture and the meadow and the Jemison Stream and Jock Brook that teed into it on our farm and seeing the animals on our farm, you can some some nights you can see more deer. Then you'll see people going up and down the road. You'll bear and bobcats and coyotes and whatever whatever you want to see. We've been able to see it at some time or another there on the home place. And, and But, you know, squirrels and all kinds of things. When I was growing up on a farm, I made a pet of anything I could catch. I had a groundhog. I had a raccoon. I had a possum. I had a skunk. I had a skunk. Never had to do anything to it. Just move. Carefully around it. <laughs> Tried to tell the truth, growing on the farm. Probably if he would have done something, it would have smelled better than we boys sometimes. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I had all those things, but I've often thought, I wasn't tempted to be an atheist because I saw the, that there had to be a divine mind somewhere, had to be a, 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 a mind somewhere to create all this stuff. Chipmunk always, always produced chipmunks. Isn't that profound? I mean, a, a raccoon never was shocked when it came out of the maternity ward and said, of all things, we had a kangaroo. <laughs> you know, a, a barn sparrow always hatched out barn sparrows and, and a starling, starlings, and, and a pheasant. If you'd ever happened to see one in the wild, came from pheasant dads and moms. And, you know, I, I, that's crazy, Brother Plank, but, but why is that? Why is that? Because God created, and, and God's creation always works according to design, and, 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 and so on and so forth, but let's, let's not go with that too much tonight. But somewhere on the mountainside, uh, David uh, got, got a relationship with God that, Without bragging on occasion, the Bible tells us, he, he said, while I was watching the sheep, a bear came. A bear came. I've thought about that sometimes, and I've thought, you know, if I was watching the sheep and the bear came, I'd at least negotiate with him. <laughs> Which one do you want? <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh my! But but David and and I re, maybe you read it different. than I do, but I never felt David was saying it braggadocio. But he said God gave me the bear. Another time, a lion, and God gave me the lion. So he he had a he had a relationship with God that David learn to trust him whatever came and and you and I know there was a, another occasion when he went to 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 bring some things to his older brothers that were a part of Saul's army and, and the bible says he got there when the philistines were making their their challenge and their champion goliath came out and challenged and david looked around and And his brothers were in hiding, and the other soldiers were in hiding, and even Saul was in hiding, intimidated. And again, maybe you read it different than I do, but it doesn't appear to me that David is puffed up and bragging and boasting. You know, I, I took Kung Fu when I was 12, and I can handle this guy, but But David looked at Goliath and he didn't look at how big Goliath was because he had seen how big his God was. Boy, it makes a difference if you've got an idea or a faith or a a position with God that my God, uh, we, we used to pick up the little bus kids back years ago when we pastored and they sang that song that the children sing, my God is so big. So strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's the same idea that David, on the hillside tending the sheep, had got with his God. He had a relationship that little is much when God is in it, and and he dared believe God. And I I read more about David and 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 remember when. When Saul was fighting his own demons and and his own battles and had walked against light with god and and God had made up his mind he would replace him with another king but But what I think of is David had talent and ability like the Stratton family and There would be times when David would be called into the king and David would take his instrument and play his instrument to soothe a troubled king and God would come. God would honor him. God's spirit would come and move like you and I are used to it happening when people are minding the Lord. Because David was God's man, he could sing and he could play and even comfort a troubled king. And then, of course, when Samuel was told to go to the household of Jesse and anoint the future king, he looked at all of David's brethren and thought it has to be one of them strapping guys. I mean quality guys, the kind of guys you want on your team and maybe to be your leader. And God said, no, none of them. And it was about that that the scripture is given us that man looketh on the outward appearance, uh, but God looketh on the heart. Uh, so it seems to indicate to me that God had a relationship with David, uh, that he saw in David something internal, something on the inside. And he said, that's the one. And the youngest of the boys was anointed to one day be king. And it happened. It happened. It's a beautiful thing to read about. It's a beautiful thing to see. And it's a beautiful thing to contemplate when God is doing the promoting. When the progress is obvious and evidently God's will and God's moving. And David didn't have to put up announcements or posters or have a, have a viable campaign. God put him into a place where eventually he did indeed become king. It's a beautiful picture. It's, it's, the, it's the story that heroes are made of. But it's while he's king. They he casts a lustful eye. And because of his authority, he has the power to do something about it. And he consciously does and sins with Bathsheba. And to cover it up, after various and sundry tries that can be read about in the scriptures back there, In 2 Samuel, chapter 11, David has her husband killed and takes her for his own. It's a tragic, tragic sin. And part of the tragedy is that It appears for a period of time, David goes on as though nothing wrong has happened. The scary thing about sin, people, if we're not careful, we can be in a place void of God and his approval and feel that we're absolutely okay. And if I'm that guy and in that place, and something happens to me, and I go out over the line of worlds, I'd be lost for eternity. What I like about revival is that it opens up the avenue, the opportunity creates the venue that where there are needs, be they, be they drastic needs or small little discrepancies in our walk with God, we have the opportunity collectively, but individually to draw near to the Lord. Does God even care? I believe David proves that he does. Because God sends Nathan the prophet. Hear me, but sometimes God will send to us an unlikely source. Not not what we would write into the script. Not what we would expect. But sometimes God will will send a little gospel tract our way or or a testimony. Matters not who, who the individual is that testifies, but the Holy Ghost will take a testimony. And we think with a yearning heart, I wish I could know that. I wish I could feel that. I wish I could be there. Sometimes it's a message preached by our pastor. And it doesn't have to be the best message that he ever preached. But sometimes the Holy Ghost will take it to my heart. Divine proof that he cares. He cares. If he didn't care, he'd just walk away. He'd just turn his back. He'd just let us go. If we could only realize it, crowd, sometimes our best friend is the one that points a finger like Nathan did to David and say, thou art the man. And it got to David. The God of the mountainside God that had been with him in the battle. The God that authored the song of his life and anointed his music. Now in a backslidden condition, that God cares enough that he sends Nathan the prophet. And Nathan points his finger and said, thou art the man. I would, I would, I don't mean to be unkind, but I would that God the Holy Ghost would walk in amongst us and where there's need, because I don't know where it is and I can't detect it, and I can't always discern it. But oh, that God would walk in our midst not to be unkind, not to taunt anybody. I would that God the Holy Ghost would walk in our midst And where there's any of us, or all of us, that have any measure of spiritual need, that he'd point the finger. And I would that if the Holy Spirit would point the finger, we'd accept it. Oh, Oh, we've got to somewhere to have revival. I mean to have personal revival. If I'm not where I used to be, if I'm not where I ought to be, something, Lord, something, Lord, it's got to get a hold of me. It's got to nudge me. It's got to interrupt me. It's got to get my attention. We've heard the preaching. We've heard the singing. What's it going to take for the Holy Ghost? to get our attention and get us away to where we're at or to where we need to be. But the fact that he did it to David, the fact that to me God's saying, I'm not going to let David go to hell. I know what David's done. I don't approve of what David's done. Absolutely wrong. He knew better, never should have done it, deliberately did it. But I'm going to reach out to him. There was a time when David's heart beat with mine. There was a time when his desire would be, Oh God, help my faith. Help me to live for you. There was a time when his song I could anoint and bless. And his life proved my power. But now... And David, David, when Nathan pointed the finger, gave us this psalm. And I'll try to be quick with it because I've taken a little time heretofore to even get to it. But David in Psalm 51 said, Have mercy upon me, O God. For all that David had done, He hadn't forgotten how to get back to God. Amen. Amen. He knew nothing in my hand I bring. As it were, simply to thy cross I cling. Oh, God, what I've done, there's nothing about me that deserves a second look. There's nothing about me that deserves another chance. There's nothing about me that warrants your care. But he cried out, sincerely, God interprets our sincerity. They sang, help my unbelief, God knows where belief Starts. God knows where there's a little germ that could grow. God knows your sincerity in even saying that. And while you may not have much, if you have enough to reach out, God can fan the flame. God can create the hunger. God can satisfy the need. David said, "Have mercy. Have mercy." Mercy is totally undeserved. Totally has to come from God. Totally in request of the supplicant. It comes from above. Have mercy upon me. He said, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Oh, David's not talking about just a mamby-pamby, loving, grandpa-type deity, he's talking about the fact that I know, oh God, you love the sinner. I know that you despise the sin, but I know you love the sinner. And I'm the sinner, and I'm relying on your loving kindness for mercy. He said, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, tender. Oh, when the mercy of God, when the finger of God tears into your heart. Remember what the psalm previous said. You think because I've been silent, I'm like you. I could come and tear you to pieces. But when the Holy Ghost Tears us to pieces. And it's mercy, mercy, mercy. It's for our healing and not our hurt. David somehow realized it and pled it. And said, according to thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And just very quickly tonight. He cries out for three things that if anybody has a spiritual need, I think we need. He cried out for truth. He said in verse 6, thou desirest truth. David said, bring it out. Bring it. On. See me as I am. And he said in in verse 4, the end of that verse, Be clear when thou judgest. Thou desirest truth. Make it clear, Lord. Make, make me to see where I'm at. Make me to see what you see. Make me to see all those things that you said in the prior uh, psalm, In a different context, uh, that you would put in order, make me to see my sin, and I would tell us if ever we're going to have a measure of revival, if ever we're going to get any anywheres with God, if we're going to walk with God and be a Christian, we got to be sincere, we got to be true blue, we got to own up, we got to fess out, we've got to see ourselves the way God sees us and admit it to God, confess it to God, and he has made a divine way, it amazes me, but he said if you'll confess your sin, he'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. I can't think of any other hope a lost man has. I can't think of any other help that a lost man has but I'll tell you what, a lost man can confess his sin. If he sees it, he can confess it. He can own up to it. And if he'll be sincere and mean it, then God will come to him in a powerful, almighty way and forgive. And David knew, I can't hide behind a facade. I can't hide behind a confession or, a, or, or, or just a, to, to tell people this is what I am. I've got to be true blue. I need to know the truth. And not only that, but he said, Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. David knew that God deals with us from the inside out. More so even than the outside in. God deals with us from the inside out. Both will be affected when a man's affected of God. He'll not shine up your face without cleaning up your heart. He'll not take care of what your hands have done and where your feet have gone without making divine correction from the taproot and the source of what instigated all that stuff. And David knew it. When Nathan pointed his finger, it cut to the bone. It cut to the quick. He said, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Second thing that he desired, he said, I need to know the truth. Tear down all the fake. Take, take away all the hypocrisy. Take away all the facade. And see me the way I am and let me see me the way I am. And we'll deal with it. He said the second thing is make me clean. Make me clean. David knew what every sinner really does know. Sin makes you dirty. Sin gets you dirty. Yes, sir, you, you get involved in sin, it never cleans up your act. Never makes you more righteous. Never makes you more proper. Never makes you good. Sin dirties. And he, he said, I, I, I need to be clean. In verse 2, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, he said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David had known what it was to walk with God on a dark hillside looking at sheep as well as on a battlefield looking at giants. David knew what it was to have a clean record. There is strength. There is strength in cleanliness and purity. And in the day we're living of debauchery and decadence, I'll tell you, a a man or a woman, a family, a a, a wholeness family, a, a church like this that has people that are living clean, in their appearance, in their attitude, in their actions. I'll tell you, that's, that's powerful to a sin-cursed world. Powerful when your neighbors look at you and know that you're never going to be wallowing in the gutter the influence of liquor or drugs. It's powerful when they realize that you live an honest life and they can trust their family, their kids and their wife in your presence. And, and, and folks, we, we can't live that way aside from the great help of God. Our appetites would take us in a wrong direction. Our will would crumble and be too weak to resist. If it weren't for the all-encompassing power of God, the accompaniment of the Holy Ghost, the power of His Word that gives us light, and the power of the blood, wonder-working power of the blood, makes us strong beyond ourselves to live a holy life. But He said, tell me the truth and make me clean. In fact, David realized, oh God, I need more than just a hand washing. I need more than just a face to be clean. I need more than just to have my clothes wrung through the washer with me in them. I need more than that. He said in verse 10, he said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. It's more than purging, it's more than cleansing, it's more than washing. It's going to take a divine creation, a miracle if you please, in my heart. Give me a new heart. David needed a new heart. Oh, David needed a new heart. But he knew enough to cry out for one. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Within me. In closing, he said, oh, God, according to your mercy, be merciful. Give me the truth. Tell me the truth. Oh, God, if I know the truth, it has set me free. He, he looked out across the space of time, perhaps, and saw where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but through me and by me. Buy the truth and sell it not, the word says. He said, make me clean. And then finally he said, restore my joy. Restore my joy. I want to tell you, everybody that ever gets converted, I don't care, and I'm going to step out on them, but I don't care whether they're Methodists, I don't care whether they're a Baptist, and I don't care whether they're a Roman Catholic. If they genuinely get saved, there's going to be joy. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Oh, we used to not be at all ashamed of our joy, were we? We'd come together and people get so happy. I can still remember after I got saved, my pastor took me to an old-fashioned camp meeting, and a lady up in the congregation just ahead of me, the God, God came and, and, and her hand went up. And it was like a lightning rod. I mean, she got blessed, and she began to shout, Scared me! <laughs> scared me! I hadn't been saved long. Literally, have scared me. I thought, oh, this is church. What's she doing? And, and pardon me, but the Lord has to deal with you with what light you have. And I didn't have much, but the Lord reminded me, Harry, you remember when you played on the team for Count Valley Basketball? You remember when you guys were in a game, you guys come down, you put it up and put it in. I mean, I'm not talking about me personally. I'm talking about somebody on the team. <laughs> but remember that? Remember how the town folks, the town fathers and, and all the people there, young people, old people, they were sitting in the bleachers like you're sitting in a pews? I, I, could, I could see it. And the Lord revived me. Remember how when, when, when you guys score, Brother, Brother Walter, they'd, people would Scream they scream, yay! You know the cheerleaders did their thing? Go team, go! I wish we had some cheerleaders. I wish Brother Alan Waller would appoint six cheerleaders and your job is to get up every once in a while when the spirit's a little dead and you'd run. And say, go, go, go! I, I wonder what would happen there. You'd be, you'd be one of them. I mean, if you can still run. <laughs> Larry Shuey would be too, but uh, oh boy. Well, maybe that's not a good idea. But anyway, the Lord said, remember when you do that? And those guys would would holler and shout. And they would throw themselves, literally, if you can picture it, they'd throw themselves right into the laps of the people behind them in the bleachers. They were so ecstatic. They were so excited. And the people behind them would reach up and tussle their hair. Double dare you to do it right now. Whoever's sitting in front of you, do it right now. I mean, what would they do? They were excited. They were excited because we were winning. Uh, Well, they didn't get excited often with us, but they were excited because we were winning a game. The Lord used that to show me. Said, that little old lady is on the winning side. She knows what I've done for her, and she's happy. And you know what? I've loved it ever since. Don't see it much anymore. I'm not, I'm not trying to stir things up, but I'm saying I can remember times when the saints got blessed and every once in a while they'd stand up unashamedly and they'd shout. And every once in a while somebody began to run. I can't say much. I'm not a runner. I'm pretty dead. I'm not as dead as some of you, but I'm pretty dead. But oh, the glory of God! come in our midst, and we'd have a time. We'd have a time. David said, restore unto me the joy. Joy, Lord, that I used to feel out under the stars when I would realize that you're here with me. The joy that I knew in yesteryear. And now, oh God, it's been a while and I haven't had it, and I want it back. Oh, God. Oh, God, whatever it would take, however it would be that you could come again and make us hungry for truth, make us desirous to be altogether clean and holy from the inside out, created us a clean heart. Oh, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. Lord, please make us a happy people again. I'm not saying you're not, please. But, oh, God, with all that's happened in the last few years, our joy, it seems to me, has been stifled and squashed down. And and if we're not careful, we'll become a melancholy people. And, oh, that's not what we ought to be. The joy of the Lord's our strength. Oh, he inhabiteth the praises of his people. He delights to come when thankful people come to him. He honors that. He rewards that. He visits that. Oh, God, make us a thankful people again. I'm asking Brother Stratton to come and whoever would play the piano. And I'm just asking us to stand together if we could tonight. And, and just, just for a few moments. I'm not putting any pressure on. We haven't even done this in the revival yet. But I just feel like we ought to take enough time uh, to, to have just this little bit that we wait on God. What about it tonight? Revival is is yours it's it's yours church it's yours and you as an individual make up this church even if you're a visitor you're a part of this group but tonight what about the truth what about it what's the truth tell you and what about your habits and your tendencies and your leanings, are they, are they pure, or are they clean? And what about us, folks? What about our joy? Is it real, genuine? If there's a need in your heart tonight, you're amongst friends. But most of all, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus while Brother Jeff sings maybe a verse of a song that he's picked tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, this is your opportunity come, to come to the altar and pray. Holy Spirit, this is your opportunity to come I need tonight thee. To seek God. Is there anybody like that that's just hungry enough Sweet tonight that Spirit, with just us here, you'd step out and lead the pray. way, maybe for somebody else to come? Anybody want to come quickly? Let's step out, mind God. Hear the truth. Be clean. Let God give you joy. Anybody? Come. As a wisdom to children. Anybody tonight? New sight to anybody need blood. to do it step out tonight be the first to come, come let God know that you mean it you're sincere you want to be everything that you need to be Take this evening so body and maybe one more verse one more verse come. for somebody I need thee. This chorus for you. This chorus for you if you need to come tonight. Amen. Bless your heart, sister. Bless your heart. Anybody else want to join her? Whatever reason, whatever your need might be, why don't you come as she's come? You're welcome to join her up here around the front. Somebody else need to come. God's God's been dealing with us. God's been meeting with us. God's been trying to help us. He is helping us. God bless your heart. Here's another one, come. Maybe this is the night and we need to just open up, step out. Come. Come As for whatever you need tonight. To dryness, Somebody else, both sides of the altar here, why don't you come and fill in your spot? With joy evermore. Anybody else? Young people, or oh, boys come. and girls, or dads and moms, Spirit, grandpa, grandma, I why don't you come? Thee. Will you? Amen. Amen. Come, God bless your heart. Sister. Sweet God bless your heart. Here's some more over here. Come as couples. Come as couples. Come as families. Oh, if we can have God come and meet with us, people, we'll be eternally grateful. We'll be eternally grateful. Praise God. Praise God. God. Amen. They're coming. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? like a spring in. Why don't you come tonight, please, please, mind God. Come to the wither. Mind God, soul. Amen. He wants to give some of us victory. Oh, he wants to give us victory. He wants to restore the joy. Touch Amen. He wants to help us tonight. Me Are you coming? Home. Come on. Come on, while he's here. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. I need Amen. Thee. why don't you come? Come, sweet spirit. I pray. Quickly. We're gonna soon gather in and pray with in these. But oh if you need to, we want power. you to be a part. Oh, what a joy when we seek God. When we seek God. Amen. Quickly, anybody else coming while she plays? While she plays. No more singing. While she plays, this is your invitation to come and get in before we gather in to help these that are here. We want to help them, but we want to pray with you too if you've got a need tonight. Anybody else? Anybody else need to come? Quickly. Quickly. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have a word of prayer. As I have a word of prayer, actually be our closing. But while I'm praying, I want people to begin to gather in and pray. Find somebody specific and gather around them help to pray. And if you've got a need bring it along. Bring it along. Make it known. and We'll pray for you. Pray for you. Father in heaven thank you tonight. Moving in our midst. Thank you for these that have stepped out. Thank you O God for your word. Thank you that you cared about David. Oh God gave him a Nathan and then gave him victory. Oh, God, we know He got victory because He's listed in the 11th chapter of Hebrews in the New Testament. And oh, we thank Thee for that. You love these people. You know what they are. You know who they are. You know the ones that are around the altar tonight. Give them victory, Lord. Give them victory tonight, we pray. Oh, God, touch them and answer their prayer. Meet their need, oh, God, as You're able to do. Reach out to those that are home tonight. Perhaps there's somebody that live streamed the service that has a need. You can pray there at your couch or at your bedside. God will meet you there. Go with each one of us, Lord. Keep your hand upon our visitors, upon the regulars. Continue to help us in the revival. Give us a thy anointing. For what you do in giving victory, we'll give you praise we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Seekers, just cry out to God. Just tell it to Jesus. Jesus is a friend that's well known. Jesus will help you tonight. He'll give you victory this evening. Amen and amen.